it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon with Mike and Josh. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today, but really good news. You will hear from the host of Fox Across America, Jimmy Fallon himself, coming up a little bit later in the program. So stay close. It's a big news day. A lot to cover. A lot of great guests coming up. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to begin with um, one of the more outrageous things that you will ever see as an American. When you literally have a secretary of such a significant area of responsibility, such as Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, and he consistently, whether it's under oath, he's a little bit more outrageous when he's not under oath, but even when he's under oath, he will say that we're on top of this. This is a priority. Uh, it's not a crisis. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I, and I never try to speak for many. I speak for myself and try to point out things to make you think and see if you agree or disagree. And if you agree, it's great. If you don't, you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to make this country great that we can agree to, to disagree. But I, I don't think anybody except either someone that pays no attention to the, the events that are taking place all around us or someone who is purposefully intellectually dishonest, just blatantly a liar. And we've got a lot of them, and some of them hold high positions. You know, that great binder that runs the country right now and the, the teleprompter, wow, whoever programs that garbage, they, they would have a real serious Pinocchio problem. So here's my Orcus in his latest grilling, and you hear that word used and it's spoken, and it is written, because you've got to get these guys when you can. So you get them in your hearing. This was the latest opportunity for the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. And then the sad thing is, and it's terrible, because there are certain things in America that we just should not be tribal about, that, that if you're on one side, you have to hate it, and if you're on the, on the other side, you have to love it. No one should love what's happening. Human trafficking, the fentanyl. I mean, this is, we're talking epic proportional stuff here. Five million, you pick a number. I don't know what the number is. They don't know what the number is. Gotaways, ones we know. They get, they get pieces of paper that say come to court in five years. They're never coming to court. And they get all these benefits. It's, it's outrageous. And then you, then you bring in, and we'll get into it a little bit, this segment, uh, Josh is going to help us with um, some of the important audio that you're going to need to hear if you've missed some of this, because a lot of it just happened yesterday. It's possible you're not aware of it, and it's important. So you have situations where children, I mean, this is, this is slave labor that we're talking about in the United States of America. And Mayorkas, of course, that's not us. It's not our responsibility. Afghan wasn't their responsibility. It was Trump's fault. I mean, they've been in there for an extended period of time. Generals told the president what to do. He took a completely different path, a completely different order. People died. Americans are still there that want to get out and can't get out. It's a disaster. And, and it led to the Russia-Ukraine war because that would not have happened without Biden's bumble 
in Afghanistan. I'm absolutely convinced of it because Vladimir Putin didn't do anything. You know, it's not a coincidence that Obama-Biden had Crimea annexed on their watch. Nothing happened the four years of Trump. And then almost right away, because the president did a very bad thing, and I think he was incoherent at the time he said it, but he green-lighted a incursion, small incursion. Well, one person's incursion is another person's full-fledged war. And Putin took that as a green light with cover, that he could get away with it. And so he did. And look how that has protracted and gone on. So when you look at all this, and then they tell you under oath or from the, 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 the press briefing room these incredible lies, it, it's, it's such a disservice because everybody knows. I mean, for example, when Karine Jean-Pierre says that President Biden has taken more questions than Obama, Bush, and Trump combined, I mean, that's a, that's a, Jimmy, Fallon, that, that's a Jimmy Fallon joke at his wonderful evening of uh, evenings of comedy this Friday and Saturday at Bananas in East Rutherford. So check out. Uh, one is definitely sold out, we've heard, and I'm sure the other is going to be. So check that out, and uh, we'll give you more about that as the program progresses. But the um, Bananas Comedy Club at the Renaissance Hotel in East Rutherford, you can easily find uh, their digital footprint uh, on the World Wide Web, and Jimmy is right there smiling and ready to go this Friday and Saturday. But this would be a joke because you just have to laugh when you hear that President Biden has taken more questions. I mean, it's 162 days without an interview with an American journalist, several hundred days since a press conference. I mean, it's, it's really unprecedented, but the, it's really de facto resignation proof that he can't do it he needs the cue cards you've seen them they're printed with his name on them they say such things as walk in sit down get up Uh, Kamala Harris is very bright I mean these things pictures have been taken of these cue cards I'm not making it up on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon So they lie with ease. They lie with great regularity. And I have to say this Alejandro Mayorkas, I I still wonder. I know that Speaker McCarthy said today, you know, they uttered the impeachment word, why they're not moving to do that. This man under oath has said things which I believe are provably false. And it's just something that you can't let go unanswered. Now, What I think the answer is to why five, six, whatever million number of millions of people illegally are now in this country. If you want to know why it's happening, well, they stopped a lot of things that were working. So that's on purpose. Title 42, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later in the program, has been an incredible tool. That goes away. Wait until you see what happens next. But it is part of their plan. My belief is... They are bringing in and they they have somehow the calculus that they're all Democrats because look who helped you and remember who helped you and look what we gave you and we made it possible for you to be here. The mean old last person, you know, wouldn't let you in. 
and you came thousands of miles and they wouldn't let you in, but now we let you in. So they're, they're basically just setting the table that this is this generation and future generations of new Democrat voters. And their goal is the permanent Democrat majority. And there just simply won't be a way that they could do anything other than win, no matter how badly their, their policies fail. So Mayorkas being grilled, and we're going to play a lot of it for you in this segment. One of the ones I think we shouldn't bury the lead, Josh, and let's get right to it. Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri came right to it. And that's cut six, Josh. You have at every stage facilitated this modern-day indentured servitude of minor children. Why should you not be impeached for this? Senator, I I look forward to discussing this issue further because you are um, misstating the facts uh, so uh, terribly. I I am reading you the facts from articles in the news, and your usual modus operandi is what you're doing again today, which is just to deny, deny, deny. Why have you permitted 345,000 children to come into this country unaccompanied? Why have you permitted thousands of them to be abused and exploited? Senator, what we do is we enforce the law. But let me just say this. But you're not. And that's the point. He obfuscates. He says the opposite of what is true when, when it's so obvious that there is and was a crisis at the border. He said famously, maybe infamously, that there's not a crisis at the border. Now, of course, there is when millions of people come into the country. And the only the only debate is how many millions, because they purposely do a terrible job of even keeping track. And, and many get in that we don't know, and they have the border not secure on purpose. It's all part. I, I consider it to be a Biden doctrine. Now, if you haven't heard, because this is sort of a new element to all this, people coming in, the human trafficking, the drug traffickers, all of this stuff, the coyotes, and all these things going on, pretty well baked in that a lot of the American people, and I I know the Jimmy Fallon Fox Across America audience is very plugged in, so you know all about this, but don't ever discount that out of whatever the number is, 350 million Americans you, you, I don't think you would be surprised, but others would be surprised how many hundreds of millions of people don't know that 345,000 people that are documented have been brought into this country. They're unaccompanied, and they're working incredibly just it, it, for anybody in this country, I mean, against every law that we have involving child labor. And that is just starting to become famous and I want, I want you to hear a little bit more about the migrant children and the danger that they're in and all these things that should be talked about more, but because they want to just let people in and they want to pretend that there's not a problem, they just ignore. So when you occasionally get them under oath and they have to at least answer, they will say, oh, no, you're terribly misrepresenting, even when you're telling exactly the truth of what's going on. Here's a little bit more from Senator Hawley. Josh, cut three. It is stunning to me, stunning to hear you say that the prior administration reunited children with their parents. Oh, I see. So this is their fault. So you're not going to take any responsibility 
for the indentured servitude and exploitation of children that is happening on your watch. A moment ago, you were crowing about the fact that you treated children so well, and yet we find tens of thousands of children who are forced to work as slaves because of your policies, and you turn around and blame a prior administration. Mr. Secretary, this is par for the course for you. You do it every time you appear before this committee. You do it every time you appear before Congress. I, for one, am sick and tired of it, and thousands of children are in physical danger. And he's right. That's not, as President Biden would say, that's not hyperbole. That is fact. And see how Mayorkas deflected. The, 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 the Mr. Snowman, Trump, you blame Trump for everything. Biden messed up recently. Trump didn't leave us a plan. Uh, they're just incredible. They take credit for everything and blame for nothing. It continues and it gets flat out salty and uh, very, very um, much a sparring match between Senator Hawley and Secretary Mayorkas. It continues. Josh cut four. Let's talk about the surge in child smuggling and child exploitation that is happening on your watch. Do you know the number of unaccompanied children who have come across the border on your watch? Uh, Senator, I don't have um, uh, that number at my disposal, but I can assure you that we are incredibly dedicated to the safety and security of those children. Well, it doesn't appear so, based on what we're reading today in the New York Times, what we're reading and seeing from numbers from your own office. The answer to my question, by the way, is 345,807. That's the number of unaccompanied children, children who have come across the border on your watch. Now, you notice Senator Hawley, he didn't just have like an approximation. How does he have the number? But the Secretary of Homeland Security doesn't. And furthermore, do you remember when the Secretary of Energy and look, I'm I'm not saying anything about her as a governor. I didn't think she was very good. But Biden has brought people in. He checks boxes. Pothole Pete. This guy was terrible as mayor of South Bend, Indiana. They called him Pothole Pete because he couldn't fill potholes. Somehow this guy is secretary of transportation. And that's why you you get what you get like the terrible train derailment and the the president who's never gone to this day to East Palestine, the secretary who was basically shamed into going late and wrong and was just just terrible there. And you had the secretary of energy, Granholm, who didn't know how many barrels of oil America uses a day. How can you be the secretary of energy in an escalation uh, because of their policy we were energy independent. We were a net oil exporter. And, and now we're begging OPEC and OPEC Plus and Saudi Arabia to loosen the spigot. And they're intentionally going the other direction and cutting production by 1.1 million barrels a day. So we went from $2 a gallon. And look, that's relative because if you're in California, it was way, 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 way up there. But basically speaking, for most of America, $2 a gallon to now getting close to four and beyond all over again. There's more. Well, we'll come back to this. We'll have another mini segment on this. And then coming up after the bottom of the hour break, we'll be joining with the great Andrew McCarthy, the former assistant United States attorney for the Southern District of New York and a great Fox News contributor. You can tell, we promise, it is a busy news day because this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I own damn fries. 
pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. We are back, and this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Harry Hurley, filling in today. But I'm very happy to report our leader will appear next hour. Looking forward to it. Jimmy will be with us uh, at 1.35. I'm with Josh, and I'm with Mike, so you know I'm in really good hands. And I do want to finish this comment with Josh Hawley, and then we have some Fox News breaking news on Jimmy's program, Fox Across America. Senator Hawley uh, really appropriately, in my estimation, gave it to Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And I hope you were with us for the last segment because you got some good context of the reason why this guy just deserves to hear what what they're bringing him. Uh, It continues. Josh, cut five. Are you proud of this record? Senator, the horrific exploitation of children is something that we do not condone. You are um, incorrectly attributing it. Uh, to our policies. Let me share with you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It began, look at at the numbers, look at the numbers. It began, this massive surge began when you came to office. In your first year in office, first year, there was a 342% surge of unaccompanied children across the border. Notice how Hawley has all the numbers. Mayorkas didn't know how many hundreds of thousands. Hawley had it down to the exact number, not even approximately the exact number. Uh, There is a consistent pattern. Secretary of Transportation, terrible. Energy Secretary, terrible. This guy, awful, the worst ever. And you really need strength in that position. I mean, people like Chertoff held that position. It's a very important position. Breaking news, and it's available at foxnews.com. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Bobby's son, is launching his Democratic challenge to President Biden. And I have to tell you, I don't believe in coincidences as a rule. And I also believe that history repeats itself. 1980, Ted Kennedy, then senator, challenged President Carter. It, Carter won, but it was devastating what that did to Jimmy Carter's candidacy. He had the Iran hostage crisis. He had a challenge from an icon like Kennedy. And now another Kennedy is taking on Biden. It really is back to the future, in my opinion. We will be back in just a little bit. Don't go away. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon filling in today for Jimmy, although he will join us in in exactly an hour. Can't wait for that. A lot to catch up on with Jimmy and some exciting news. I'm with Mike and Josh. And again, this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Harry Hurley filling in today. It is my pleasure to welcome back uh, to this esteemed program uh, one of the greats, a great Fox News contributor. Uh, He is the author of the book Ball of Collusion, the plot to rig an election and destroy a president. Remember the middle initial C. There's another guy out there named Andrew McCarthy, but he's not this serious. 
Andrew McCarthy that I'm talking about, who is the uh, the former assistant United States attorney for the Southern District of New York. And I mentioned a Fox News contributor, and you can follow him. His Twitter handle, Andrew, middle initial C, McCarthy. Andy, welcome to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Thanks so much, Harry. I guess I'm not going to get the usual pretty and pink questions. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pass on that, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's not my lane. I know. I know you know. Uh, But I do want to begin with something that's flat out serious. And I know that if you were in your position uh, and even now at this point, the the great work that you do uh, in the media and in the columns that you write and so on, the New York City crime crisis hearings of the House Judiciary Committee should have been a serious, and they were half the time, but the Democrats seem to miss the point. And let me just set the stage, I think, in the perfect way, because here's basically your ranking member of the Democrat Party, Gerald Nadler, who I thought was just disgusting with what he said and what he did, and this is just a part of it. Josh, cut 44. They have perpetuated the anti-Semitic and racist tropes that Mr. Trump has directed at both the prosecutor and the judge in this case. They are using their public offices and the resources of this committee to protect their political patron, Donald Trump. It is an outrageous abuse of power. It is, to use the chairman's favorite term, a weaponization of the House Judiciary Committee. I do not know. Said enough right there. The laugh track, only it was real. It was real laughter. And it even continued. There was more just just incredulous, just disbelief that uh, that Nadler would say these things. I charge him, Andy, with being unserious and disgraceful. That was terrible. Yeah, but, you know, Harry, the thing is, you, what you really are taken aback by is that Nadler is from New York. I know. You know, he's a longtime Manhattan congressman. So you would think, it, it, I guess it's a measure of how bad things have gotten um, that, you know, it, it, you would think that a New York congressman would understand that crime is a big deal in New York. Because, as you and know, that, we used to have a time in America, whether it was September 11, 2001, or any type of serious moment, the parties came together. Now it's tribal. They have to be against everything. I, I don't know how that man could say what he said. You've got that mom that lost her son. You've got all these people heartbroken. You've got the the bodega worker who was afraid to even come. So his he was going to speak, but then he was afraid of what could happen. So he had his attorney speak. And for that kind of rhetoric to to be done at a serious occasion like this, to just try to discredit it and make it look like it's only political and that it's not serious. I just thought it was disgraceful, Andy. Yeah, well, I I just think, Harry, that New York politically has become such a one-party city that they're not used to having a a used to a situation where their pieties get challenged you know basically they have no republican competition in the city the new york times takes whatever they say and and you know uncritically reports it and they live in a bubble where you know the only people they talk to are party regulars so that you get to a point where even a new york congressman gets dropped into a hearing in his own district. I believe that part of lower Manhattan is Jerry's district. Yeah. And he doesn't know how to talk to New Yorkers, or he's completely insensitive to what the concerns of New Yorkers are. And as a number of those witnesses, I think very eloquently 
and movingly said during the hearing, this is an issue, crime, that cuts across, you know, partisan lines, ideological lines. This is like, you know, what people who are worried about can they send their kid down the block to go to the store uh, and hope that, uh, you know, the kid will come back in one piece. That's what that's what people are living with in New York. And, you know, look, I don't think uh, it's appropriate for a congressional committee to get involved in a particular litigation by a state district attorney. I don't think the Congress has any authority to do that. But it has plenty of authority to investigate crime and how the federal funding that it gives to New York and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office gets spent and what's happening uh, in New York. And I think any day the Republicans are talking about, as you saw from the way the Democrats ineptly handled it, uh, any day the Republicans are not talking about crime, it's political malpractice because it's the most important issue in the country. You are listening to Annie McCarthy on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Who investigates? I want to agree with you, Andy, but who investigates a DA who has downgraded 54 percent of all felonies and and yet brings the type of prosecutions that he will bring? It's kind of interesting to me that he'll reduce some very serious type of offenders to 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 much, much more lenient uh, charges. But then the bodega worker that was in a, a death match for his life gets charged with second-degree murder, and, and I don't know if you're going to agree with me when I say this. Thank God for the video, because had there not been video, that man was going to be in jail for a real long time, I think. Yeah, look, no, I don't want to be misunderstood. I, I think Bragg is a disgrace, and it's terrible what he's done. Speaking as someone who was a prosecutor uh, in New York for 20 years— Yep. Uh, during much of a period of time when we actually got a handle on crime and took it from a point where there were 2,245 homicides, 2,245 in New York uh, in 1991. By 2018, we had it down under 300. So an awful lot of good work has gone, has been torched by the likes of de Blasio and now Bragg. But that said, you know, Bragg is in an elected position, and he didn't make a secret of what he was going to do if he got office. He said he would do two things. He would basically stop prosecuting crime, except for, number two, he would use the power of his office against Trump. Yep. And they elected him. Yes. You know, It's not like, uh, like he spontaneously appeared in uh, Robert Morgenthau's office one day. <laughs> you know, and, he, and the Andy, voters you, of Manhattan Andy, put him there. As you know, Letitia James— campaigned with the same platform. I'm going to get Trump and everybody in the Trump orbit. And and, and she won. So I, yeah. I know what you're saying. And because they're elected and not appointed, uh, you get what you get. I mean, they they the thing I will say, it's like my governor and he's my friend, but we disagree with each other politically. Governor Murphy, who said, hey, if taxes are your problem, New Jersey's not for you. And he got elected. I gave him credit for being honest. These two, they're terrible, but they didn't lie about their intentions. They said, vote for me for attorney general. This is what I'm going to do. They both did it and they both won and they are keeping their word. It's macabre. It's sick. I think it's twisted. You know, it's like the Nancy Pelosi thing of Trump can go. Uh, it's, it's everything's good. Everything's fine. Trump can go into a courtroom and prove he's innocent. 
because they want to change the presumption of innocence to that you're guilty if they want you to be guilty. Then you have to prove in some star chamber that you're innocent. Uh, that's crazy, and I know you don't agree with that philosophy um, because I know you and I know you're an honorable man. But, yeah, they weren't dishonest. We have to give them that, don't we? Well, they weren't dishonest, but I think, you know, I'm trying to just sort of home in on the problem that you're talking about. And I think where I end up coming out is that it's a that it's more of a cultural problem than a law enforcement problem. You know, there was a time in New York, uh, I, I don't think it's all that long ago, I'd say 10 years ago, when if you made an argument that if you elect me to be district attorney, I will use my the powers of my office against my political enemy, that would have been considered disqualifying. Um, you know, a person like that would not get elected. The fact that we've gotten to a point where somebody can say, that's my platform, and he gets elected, that indicates that there's a problem with the public. You know, it's not just a problem with the, with the political system or the state of law enforcement. It's like you're getting the law enforcement you deserve if that's where your head is at. Andy McCarthy on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I want to talk about Clarence Thomas. Uh, full disclosure, yeah. I'm a huge fan. I, I believe he was mistreated. Ironically, Joe Biden was chairman of judiciary. I have to say Joe Biden really was not terrible during that time. But the way that that Thomas was treated was just awful. So he gets right. confirmed. You know, and then, of course, he says basically the, the, the line of, you know, where do you get your good name back after what they did to him? Now, every once in a while, they come at him again every chance they get. So th- now they come at him yet again and they're smearing him. What is your take, Andy, on the latest dust up with the um, the dean of the Supreme Court? He was confirmed by the Senate on October 15, 1991. Uh, the Associate Justice Clarence Thomas of the United States Supreme Court. What is your take on everything that's going on right now? Yeah, I think, Harry, it's mainly not about Thomas. I think, you know, they know that they've been trying to take this guy out, as you point out, since since 1991. Uh, and Justice Thomas is not going anywhere. You know, he's not going to be mal out of his job. But I think, the, you know, the problem that uh, Biden has had from the beginning is he lacks legislative uh, majorities that would enable him to do the sorts of crazy things the left wants him to do, uh, one of which is to pack the court. Yes. You know, they they don't like having a conservative court. So now, of course, what you do is remake the court, you know. Yes. Uh, because it's somehow they think it's that's their institution, and now that it's not in their clutches anymore, you have to change the rules. And I think that the the what has to happen here, or what is happening here, is every now and then they have to show their base that they're still working on that project. So I don't really think this is about trying to knock out Justice Thomas. He's not going to be impeached, and he's not going to quit. Uh, it's to it's to continue the drumbeat for restructuring the court and packing it uh, and, you know, creating the general uh, sense that that, you know, there's an unfairness about having the court, uh, you know, in, in a 6-3 conservative majority and, and trying to make the case that it needs to be restructured. I don't think it's going to go anyplace. But at the same time, in order to change the rules, uh, they don't need you know, they, they would only basically need the Democrats to have a majority in the Senate, uh, and then they could, you know, they could do away with the filibuster, and they could do all kinds of stuff. Uh, I think it'd be much harder now for them to pack the court because I don't think the, the House Republicans would go along with it. 
But I think we're going to hear a lot more about this because this continues for the for the base of the Democratic Party. Even if it's not an attainable goal, it remains important to them. And as a result, we're going to continue to see this kind of abusive behavior. Could, could not agree more. What a, what a what an important point. It's Andy McCarthy on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Following up on that, I do believe Biden wants to have a legacy where he is compared to FDR. I think it's it's um, preposterous and it's not going to happen. But you do hear them say, not not since FDR, this this type of infrastructure, not since FDR. It's always compared to FDR. And FDR, as you know, Andy, tried to pack the court and they the, the legislature stopped him. Fortunately, he wanted to do exactly yeah. what Joe Biden is trying to imitate. Yeah, but I have to say, Harry, just like to complete that story, because, yes, that is right. Historically, he tried to pack the court. Uh, and he got beaten back by his own legislature. But it had the intended effect. You know, it, 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 yes, they didn't get to pack the court, but they intimidated the conservatives on the court to switch the way that they were deciding important cases about the New Deal, which gave the FDR the wind at his back that he needed when other openings came up to fill them with his own New Dealers. So, you know, historically, I think that episode goes down as a loss for for Roosevelt because he didn't get what he wanted in the sense of packing the court, but he got exactly the results he wanted because it worked. They intimidated the justices, uh, and they ultimately, because he stayed in power for so long, they were able to change the court. And the history of the United States has been very different because the Supreme Court upheld those. Uh, you know, the new, the new Deal is basically the foundation of the progressive governance that we've been dealing with in this country for almost a century. Uh, and, and Andy, that, and that we're, really is the, the, I was just going to say, we're, we're at the finish line. The next time we talk, I would love to go in because I know how much you know about the history of it. People listening, the, the United States Supreme Court was not always nine members. There was a time when it was an even number, which is kind of amazing when you think about it, how everything now it used to be the 5-4 court and everything, yeah. and Kennedy was the, was the swing vote, and sometimes he went left and sometimes he went right. People forget. Uh, so the, the number nine seems uh, impenetrable now because it's been that for a while, but it wasn't always that way. And I agree with every word you said. Had had they packed the court, though, I say it's also a win for what we see now, this particular Roberts court, yep. if you want to call it that, 6-3, whatever you want to call it. I think he would have moved further left without yep. the Trump appointments. He was heading that yep. way. But no, no uh, Supreme Court chief justice wants to be on the losing end of every vote. So it brought Roberts back. Next time we're together, let's talk more about this, Andy. Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah, me too. Good to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. Take you care. You are welcome. It's a pleasure. Honor to present you. We'll be back. Much more important content, including Jimmy Fallon, coming up a little later in the program, because this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The critics have spoken. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. With Mike and with Josh, I'm Harry Hurley filling in today. Jimmy is going to join us in about 35 minutes from now, so don't miss that. Uh, right here, about 30 minutes from now, actually, uh, on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A lot, a lot to catch up with. You know, we were just chatting, and th there's just certain things that you don't do 
in life, no matter how radical you are. Uh, and this Justin Jones in Tennessee, and it's a shame they, they've become so famous because they were removed and then they were just reappointed and they're right back in. They will have to run again. So some people are of the opinion they just come in and take over their term. Now, they're they're filling an unexpired term right now, their own. It's really twisted and sick. But what they did, nobody wants to say this because it doesn't fit the January 6th narrative. They led an insurrection into their capital. But nobody seems to want to call it that. And now you have this clown, Justin Jones. We find out. And we were just chatting about it as a team, Mike, Josh, and I, that he brings a child-sized coffin as a prop. To quote probably the next governor of the state of New Jersey, Jack Cittarelli, who says that? Who does that? You've got people mourning their babies, their little children, gone. And, and this clown is bringing in a, a coffin as a political prop. To not be a legislator, make no mistake about this, but to be a community agitator. I mean, look at the the different personalities of this guy. He went from Stefan Urkel without the cool, I should say Urkel, to some radical agitator, just like that. We'll be back. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Harry Hurley filling in today um, with Mike and Josh, of course. And I'm very pleased to report Jimmy will drop by for a mini segment coming up at the bottom of the hour in about exactly 30 minutes from now. So don't miss that. It's going to be wonderful to have the opportunity to uh, interview Jimmy on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. This is going to be a lot of fun. In this opening segment, I want to talk about artificial intelligence. It's not new. There are hotels. There are jobs that change attendance that used to have gainful employment. Toll takers are almost gone, and soon they will be gone. You go to other countries, Japan, for example, entire hotels where the front desk agents are robots, the public area attendants, robots, guest room attendants, robots. I mean, all automated, all artificial intelligence. And I have to, I don't make movie recommendations lightly, and I don't make them often. And I've never made one on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. But there's a 2015 movie called X, not the letter X, but EX, X Machina. So treat that like machine. Instead of an E at the end, there's an A. X Machina. And I am telling you, it it is fortuitous. It It is where artificial intelligence, if you listen to Elon Musk in the incredible two-part interview that the Fox News Channel's Tucker Carlson did, and I will tell you, I, I, I've mentioned this recently, that a great interviewer, it's the follow-up question that sometimes is the star of the whole thing. Elon Musk was giving, he doesn't give pedestrian answers to anything. He's elegant. Uh, when he speaks, you listen. He's obviously extremely brilliant. And he's talking about this and that and this and that and how, you know, he was uh, shocked at the amount of intrusion the United States government had in Twitter. 
because, look, the other side was happy with the way it was going when when the Social Democrats, social socialist or Democratic socialists, when they were running the show, you wouldn't hear these things. They were very happy. They were happy with who was getting banned, who was getting shadow banned, what content could stay, what content could go, you know, all of this. And ramping people down that they don't want to be seen, all these crazy things that, that there's no doubt in my mind they were doing because we have the proof now with Elon Musk owning Twitter at much personal expense, I might add, not just the expense of buying it. But look, he went from, you know, the penthouse to the outhouse. I mean, people that loved him hate him now. Uh, because he dares to to be honest, and they don't want that. They want control. They want power. They want it not in the best way. They want it in the worst way. So Tucker, after Elon Musk is talking about this and that, about the government, all this, Tucker says, does that include DM, meaning your direct messages? And if you're on Facebook, your messenger. And if you're on any of these other platforms, whatever they call that feature, where you can have private conversations, you think they're private. Well, guess what? Elon Musk said, oh, yes, they had access to all of that. Why would the government have any place in this? Private company, social media, and they have your direct messages. And, of course, they can go after all their political enemies, do whatever they want. So that was really if not the star of the two-night interview, my God, my goodness, it was it was right there with one of the most important things ever revealed about a social media platform. Stephen Miller called it coming soon, woke AI. Elon Musk also said how concerned we should be that artificial intelligence can be manipulated on social media in that it will write incredibly well. And it will do so in a convincing way. And a lot of people are starting to hear about chat GPT, which right now is basically in a 3.5, if you will, beta type. And 4.0 and 4.5 are coming. And it will be even more scary because you can say, hey, write a biography of Jimmy Fallon. And you'd be amazed how spot on it will be. Jimmy Fallon, host of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, appears often on the Fox News Channel on various programs, such as, and I could run the 12 off the top of my head, uh, and then it would say he's a comedian. Uh, and it it would be perfect, basically. The only thing that ChatGPT cannot handle right now is the info that's on the World Wide Web. If it picks up something that's incorrect and it puts it in there, it will be not perfect, but it will write it will write however you want. If you want it to break down uh, uh, chat GPT, could you break down quantum physics in an understandable way in, in, in an article? And boom, it'll type faster and smarter than any human being could ever attempt to do. Elon Musk also said that we should be very concerned that they, and you know who they are, the, the ones with all the power, uh, they are programming artificial intelligence to lie to be deceptive, then look out. Then are, are we talking rise of the machines? Uh, in other words, if you watch the movie I recommended, Ex Machina, I don't want to spoil it. But uh, check that out, and you'll have a pretty good feel for the potential of artificial intelligence. It's extraordinary. Elon Musk is so concerned that he wants to counter chat GPT with truth. 
GPT. And he's right about that. Because if one side, that's what happened with social media. It started out very fair, very even. Everybody had a fair shot. And next thing you know, it swung way left. And it left people wondering, wow, you know, I post something that I think is really important and three people like it. But then you might post something that's very, not I won't say unimportant, but not not serious. And you may get hundreds, even thousands of likes. So you can't help but have people believe that, hey, they if they don't like the content, they ramp it down. We know during the uh, 2020 election cycle that there was certain content that would get you suspended or deplatformed, and they were controlling speech. Can't even call it free speech at that point. They were controlling speech. If you wanted to say something about someone that they didn't care for, you could let it. You could let it rip, and your stuff would stay. I have people that tested it, and then they said stuff about somebody else, and it gets taken down right away. And then you get told that you're in some kind of uh, timeout, or if you do it again, you'll be suspended, and this and that, and up to and including being deplatformed. So this, if you haven't seen it, I'm telling you, it is really worth your time. Uh, the interview with Elon Musk is definitive, and it is impactful, and it should cause. I'm in the camp. We can't stop artificial intelligence. I mean, it's been on the rise, and and around the world, it's 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 obviously on the rise as well, as we commented earlier. But if not a moratorium, we've got to take a look at how this is all going to roll out, because otherwise. AI will manipulate public opinion because it will just be so persuadable that it will be downright effective. I could go on and on and on. Uh, it, it is it is definitely a two-edged sword. It's incredibly amazing, beneficial, and on the other hand, misused, it can do great harm. And Elon Musk makes a lot of great points, uh, a lot better than I just did, and in a lot more detail. So you should check out those interviews with Tucker. When we come back, we have uh, a relevant guest joining Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, who was a U.S. Senate candidate in New York. And I will tell you that he knows that which he speaks. We'll be back. Don't go away. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, maybe. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy is going to join us in 25 minutes. We are joined by... Uh, on the Newsmaker Hotline of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, we are joined by Joe Pinion. And I, I have to give Joe Pinion a lot of props. And, of course, I want to mention that I'm working today, of course, with Mike and with Josh, who are just terrific. It's a privilege to work with you both on uh, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Joe took on the task, much like Lee Zeldin, you, you take on such a very challenging demographic. Uh, in Joe's case, he takes on the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer. Now, from a philosophy of governance standpoint, that should be a slam dunk, uh, Joe Pinion every time. But just because of the demographics and the way that things are, tribal and whatnot, 
uh, it becomes very, very challenging. Like Lee Zeldin, Joe Pinion was an incredibly effective, dynamic, and terrific candidate uh, who I know we're going to hear from in, in the future. I just know it because you've just got too much to offer uh, to not stay on the stage. Joe, welcome to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, great to be with you, and, and, and thank you so much for those kind words. And so I, I'm sure my mother would be happy. So Well, uh, earned, earned, Joe. Still bragging at a senior home, probably talking about my son got two and a half million votes. So That's it. Uh, <laughs> you, did, you did a great job. I followed your campaign very, very closely. I mean, it was a, obviously a very tough race. You were going up against uh, basically an ATM, unlimited money against you and everything else, and, of course, the demographics of the the state of New York. Let me get your take, Joe, on the uh, hearings from yesterday, the House Judiciary Committee. I thought it was very disappointing that the Democrats behaved as badly as they did, considering, you know, you had a mom who lost her young child. You had all these people with very, very unspeakable pain. Uh, The bodega worker wouldn't even he wanted to be there and he was going to testify and then he was worried about what would happen to him. You got to imagine there's a guy that was in a death match for his own life, attacked by a criminal and and then finds himself charged with second degree murder. I mean, it's like a monster movie. It's 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 terrible. Uh, So you have the Republicans behaving in the somber, serious way that you should when you're trying to address Things like 327 people committed 6,000 crimes because they've got this catch and release, no bail nonsense, as you know, Joe, and all these other violent crimes and things. What did you think of the hearings? Well, I think it was in many ways a disgusting display by the Democratic uh, lawmakers that showed up for the hearing. Keep in mind, they were under no obligation to show up. Uh, They showed up to uh, pervert the underlying reason for the hearing to try to crusade about gun violence. And I don't know how you sit there and listen to somebody like Madeleine Brom, a woman who uh, had to bury her son, a man who raised his hand to serve this nation, went to Afghanistan only to be butchered here at home like a dog in the street uh, by a bunch of common thugs. Tell about how Alvin Bragg has brought more pain to her family in some cases uh, than the criminals by his refusal to hold every last one of the people responsible for her son's death accountable. I mean, people who quite literally tripped Hassan on his way trying to escape are now home to enjoy Christmas and Thanksgiving and any normal Wednesday uh, with their family and their loved ones. So I don't know how in the face of that you turn around and try to diminish their pain, try to diminish the importance of taking uh, the plight of criminality that is sweeping across this country seriously. But again, all Democrats care about is how they can hold on to power, not how they can use the power given to them by the people of this nation to honor their first obligation, the safety and security of the people that call this great land home. Well said. Joe Pinion on the Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon Newsmaker Hotline on the topic of crime in New York. I mean, I want to still say that New York is the greatest city in the world, but with the crime stats being what they are, with the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, who you referenced, Joe, uh, reducing 54% of all felonies, uh, but of course he overcharges whenever it fits his political agenda. It's a scary time right now, isn't it? Well, look, I I think, you know, New Yorkers and Americans are tired of being gaslit 
by the people who made the term gaslighting popular. Uh, you look at our southern border, they've turned it into a gangster's paradise, and yet we listen to Chuck Schumer uh, convince Americans that the border was just a Republican talking point, right up until the point the mayor of this city, uh, Mayor Adams, was forced to acknowledge uh, that the border crisis had caused an immigration nightmare right here in New York City, now costing us billions of dollars uh, to house the migrants that are streaming across our southern border illegally. Uh, and now you see it with the crime, with them trying to cherry pick the stats and try to look at crime through a 1990s lens, uh, which, of course, if you look at it through that lens, then all crime has gone down. But if you look at it through a three-year arc, we've seen time after time DAs like Alvin Bragg walk through the door, issue an agenda that says that they are going to downgrade crimes, that they are going to elevate the comfort of the criminal over the safety and security of the common law-abiding citizen, and we see the results. A period in this city where rape and sexual assault was up over 300 percent, a period in this city uh, where we've seen felony assault continue to rise. And so, yes, they can talk about the fact that there are less iPads being stolen out of your car on a Tuesday, yeah. but they want to ignore the fact that we've got mothers pushing strollers on the Upper East Side of Manhattan uh, being shot. So, again, uh, up is down, left is right, but your eyes are not lying to you. You are less safe than you were when Joseph Robinette Biden placed his hand on a Bible, and they have no interest in curbing those crimes and that abuse of the public trust. Former United States Senate candidate for New York, Joe Pinion, on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Two-minute drill, Joe. AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know where I'm going. Uh, she took exception to Mayor Adams giving a 28% increase to New York City police officers who obviously were decimated uh, in the era of uh, Comrade de Blasio, uh, the billion dollars plus in cuts. I mean, just incredible stupidity uh, when they were in the uh, summer of love and loving defunding the police. It was some wonderful badge of honor to make your city, make your state less uh, safe, less secure. What did you think about AOC uh, taking exception with the police getting an increase? I mean, AOC has been on the wrong side of every issue since she took her oath of office. She famously came into Congress uh, to give her first interview with a woman named uh, Margaret Hoover on Firing Line, railing about the occupation of, of, of Jewish, Jewish occupation in Israel, only to find out she couldn't define occupation, couldn't tell you where uh, the Gaza Strip was on a map. Uh, she famously ran Amazon out of town uh, because she didn't understand that a tax credit uh, was something that you had to earn. It wasn't just free money being handed out. And now that same Amazon company is giving away free college tuition to their frontline workers, something she thought uh, that all Americans should be entitled to. And now here we are here after the three most dangerous words in the history of American politics, defund the police, has left her own constituents dead, has left her own constituents in a cocoon of fear with their living rooms turned into a shooting gallery. And she is upset that in the wake of the largest exodus the New York City Police Department has ever seen, we have a mayor who recognizes that a crisis is brewing and seeks to give them the financial incentive to stay on the job to keep her own constituents safe. So, of course, uh, she will lead the Repub Democrats on the road to nowhere. The problem is that the way our politics are set up, Democrats and Republicans, we are joint at the hip. We are all Americans, and their misdeeds, their miscalculations leave us all less safe, leave this country that we love in great peril, and we haven't even gotten to their disastrous foreign policy with the Russians and the Ukrainians leading us closer to World War III than ever before. 
Joe Pinion, great to visit with you. We're 20 seconds from a hard break. I think you're going to be a candidate again. Are you going to run? You running again someday? Look, I've got to uh, spend some time with my mother, make sure fair. my dog stays fed, uh, and fair. make sure that I can uh, probably get married sometime soon. But, yes, we'll stay in the fight uh, when the opportunity presents itself. And Good to I'll talk always, to you, Joe. I look to have the faith in New Yorkers. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure. We'll be back. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And this is a, this is a, a right of privilege because I get to actually interview and have a conversation with the star of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon himself, honored ah! to fill in to you. Well, I, I have to do something. It's, it's in my contract. Uh-huh. Jimmy Fallon, you are one of the hardest and most dedicated broadcasters in our industry. Your listeners know they can hear you here on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon daily. We can see you because I wake up at 2.15 oh, every wow. day. So I want you to know I, I have taken notes in my introduction of you to note that I have personally seen you on <laughs> Gutfeld, where you're the go-to guy, and you do an awesome job. Yes. Harris Faulkner, who I can just tell loves you, oh. outnumbered ditto, America's Newsroom, Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino, America Reports, uh, Sandra Smith and John Roberts, mm-hmm. Martha McCallum, The Five, Tonight, you're on Jesse Waters, Hannity, Laura Ingram, Fox and Friends first. Fox and Friends, I'm sure I could have just said the one show you weren't on, uh, and it would have been a quicker intro, but you are bringing it, my friend. You are bringing it. <laughs> Harry Hurley, first of all, thank you for bringing me on this show. I had asked to get booked. A lot of guest hosts won't have me on, so uh, the fact that you had me on means a lot to me. Uh, you did leave out my other job at Fox. I also do Trim Geraldo's mustache. <laughs> And uh, I park Hannity's helicopter outside the studio before those live broadcasts. But you know what it is, man? It's all fun to me. It's not work. I'm having such a dang good time. And really quick, Harry, I mean, we know each other personally. Like, you know my story. As a guy who was a cab driver, there's no world where I could call up cab driving Jimmy and tell him how hard the day is for TV Jimmy. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that. Look, bro, I know you're getting cut off and stabbed on the Van Wick, <laughs> but I got to put on makeup and go sit next to a former Miss Universe for three minutes on TV. You know, As my white teeth shine. <laughs> Say uh, a prayer for me. It's yes. not easy. But I also want to plug the fact and give us, give us a little bit about this because another great side of you is that you're a comedian, mm-hmm. which is why I think it's, it's brilliant that Gutfeld has been basically – anointing you as go-to guy mm-hmm. because you're perfect on the show to fill oh, in for Greg. You, you, it's, it's just true. I say it to be kind, but I say it because it's also true. You're going to be at Bananas Comedy Club yes. this Friday and Saturday. Tell us about it. True story. So Bananas uh, is in East Rutherford, New Jersey, because, you know, when you get into showbiz, obviously, you think of the hot showbiz towns, Vegas, East Rutherford. No, I love it out there because Jersey crowds are the best <laughs> comedy crowds. Number one, you can't, you can't offend a Jersey crowd, okay, because they're kind of like a New York City crowd, but they're not as liberal. And what I mean by that is like New York City crowds traditionally are a fun-loving, they encounter so much adversity just to make it to the show that night, that they're generally pretty open arms when it comes to jokes, okay? But there is still that political element to a city crowd that really doesn't exist in Jersey, okay? The Jersey sensibility to comedy club, it really is like the 80s, man, and I love it. You can't offend them. You can joke about everything. They know the difference between a joke and a hate crime. And, uh, you know, 
I don't know what it is that lightens that mood, if it's driving past a landfill every three miles or what it is. But the point is they're my favorite crowds. And the only thing I will tell you about this Friday, okay, because I've gone into this weird place on the road. Okay, I've always been a comic and you know, a little TV guy. But I'm kind of becoming Joe Clark from Lean On Me. Oh, remember, like you know yeah, what I mean? Where he's just kind of walking around with a bullhorn, reading yeah. them their truth. Baseball like, bat if needed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my act has really turned into like a scared straight for America. Remember when they would bring in like a sassy 12-year-old who was sure. getting bad grades and they'd lock him in a room with some perp with teardrop tattoos and he'd scream at him <laughs> yes. till the kid didn't talk back to his parents? It was excessive. Those kids were horrified. But what, what did they all have in common? They all got straight A's after that, did they not? So my act, a lot of the times now on the road, has really become, you know, turned into like some tough love for America. But it's good, fun, tough love. And uh, the crowds have been, Harry, they've been amazing. So picture Lean On Me if Joe Clark's speech was a little slurred in the megaphone. (laughs) Now, Jimmy, on a serious note, Uh how concerned were you not long ago that comedy was really, I mean, Comedians didn't know what they were allowed to say anymore. Mm -hmm. They're trying to cancel people. Things that were just fine to be able to say, you can't say anymore. (laughs) The the woke, broke joke, the whole thing. How concerned were you that they came close to destroying comedy? Well, yeah, they certainly tried. This is the thing. From my standpoint... I wasn't as freaked out as everybody else because the one thing I always over, uh, always understood is it was a tyranny of the minority. So my concern was not in the clubs because the clubs have behaved fairly well, Harry. What killed us in stand-up, and the one thing that did really concern me, is the Internet. It's when the jokes left that communal vibe of everybody here paid a cover charge and a two-drink minimum to escape their troubles. You know, the comedy clubs have always remained relatively safe. But once those jokes started traveling outside of the comedy club into someone's smartphone and they were consider, you know, consuming them in a work environment or a corporate environment, whatever the case may be, that's when you started to see jokes get treated like they were hate crimes because they were being consumed in forums that weren't created for comedy. You know, we didn't shake hands on the agreement that none of this mattered. So my concern was for real, okay, that this tyranny of the minority, because most people do know the difference between a joke and a hate crime, Mm -hmm. but this tyranny of the minority who isn't necessarily offended so much as they know they can get attention for acting offended. We've kind of incentivized outrage. And I was concerned that they would get a bigger foothold in society than they ultimately did. Okay, they were canceling people left and right, but thankfully we got so exhausted from living this way that we eventually started to take the power back. Like a guy like Chappelle who wouldn't apologize for his jokes. That's right. Him standing his ground. Like I think if you were a historian, that was the demarcation point where they officially lost. Okay, they lost the culture war because they were exposed for having nothing other than shouting and screaming on social media. What could you actually do if a guy didn't agree to apologize, quit? You know, and the fact that Netflix stood by Chappelle, that was the death of this thing. It'll keep flailing, but I'm telling you, we took and this is the fun part of the program where I, as the filling guy, get to say that this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and I'm interviewing Jimmy Fallon. This, I also think, is, is just a perfect question that, that you should respond to, that you have to be a comedian, I think, to be able to properly address this topic that I'm about to raise with you, and it is this. When you go into a comedy club, to me, that's the proving ground. As you know, Kilmeade used to do it. Mm-hmm. You're great at it. And and I don't think people that don't understand your vocation can appreciate how incredibly difficult it is to be funny. 
to be funny on command yeah. and to, to interact with the audience in a way that you make them comfortable <laughs> and they want to laugh hysterically. But I'm going to ask you this question uh-huh. about that. You know all that. Uh-huh. You going into the comedy club, you get to test drive stuff. You get to see what's funny. What do people go bananas, pun intended, comedy club this <laughs> Friday and Saturday with Jimmy uh, in, in uh, the um, uh, Rutherford uh, – New Jersey Bananas Comedy Club Renaissance Hotel, mm. and you the the website is right there for you to get tickets. I understand it's already sold out, and the, the second show is going to be sold out. So, in terms of when you are performing as a comedian, mm-hmm. I imagine you come back now to your radio show and your television work, and that helps you tremendously, doesn't it? Oh yes, in terms of stuff overlapping from one forum to the other. Yes. Where it hurts you is there's a lot of things you can say in a comedy club yeah. that'll get you fired on yeah. TV. <laughs> you have to compartmentalize. Can I tell you something? Two Jimmy's. This is the way it works for real. Okay. Radio actually helps stand up because the premises on the radio are clean. You know what I mean? And then you can take things. It's like a ZZ Top video. Remember how the girl was kind of milk toast? Yes. Then those three chicks pulled up in the car and turned her into like a daytime stripper. You know that's. <laughs> Basically, how it works. Radio is like you know the milk toast girl, and then the stand-up club is the ZZ Top car that pulls up to the idea, and it's like, what if we tricked it out and did this? But you're right to say there's an overlap, okay? But this is the thing that you know you had brought this up about the difficulties of stand-up and everything else like this. The reason I stand up for stand-up, the reason I'm still making it a point to do it is one, obviously, I love doing it; it's my natural habitat. But two, it's because stand-up serves such a vital purpose in society. The people who don't do it. To people who don't consume it, you don't quite get its importance. And what I mean by that is for a lot of people, okay, probably 10 million people this weekend will go to a stand-up show somewhere, whether it's a big arena or an opium den on the Lower East Side. The point is there's stand-up everywhere. And the one thing that it really benefits us all from having is the fact that people use jokes as a means of escaping their torments in life, Mm. whether it's financial or societal or anything in between. What stand-up actually represents to a broad group of people who don't know each other is a reminder that there's still this community of values out there, that there's still this common culture that we all share regardless of our political differences. And that's where stand-up, to be honest with you, is too hard for most people, is that in truth, everybody has funny ideas. Everybody's had funny things happen to them in theory, but the reason you succeed as a comic is you learn to package your ideas in a way that 300 strangers can follow. You dig? 300 people who've never met you, who aren't particularly familiar with how you talk, can get what you're trying to say in a way that still captures the essence of why it's funny. And I make that point because everybody knows a friend who they say should do stand-up. Oh, Jerry in accounting should do stand-up. But when Jerry gets on stage, he bombs. And the reason he bombs is because the room doesn't know the shorthand that Jerry speaks in accounting to the other accountants. They know the name of the form he has to fill out. They know the guy on the phone who calls every Tuesday. When you get into an audience, it's very hard to package your ideas in a way that will make them visceral to strangers. So the art of stand-up is being able to create a shorthand that the whole world can understand. And there's nothing more unifying than that. That's why when a joke goes one way or the other, the point is if the guy is killing, okay, first of all, we know jokes aren't hate crimes, but two, If the guy is truly killing, like he is truly offering society a big benefit because you got 300 people out of the other 5 billion in the world that aren't about to snap 
okay? The whole world feels like that Michael Douglas movie, Falling Down, where he's about to get out of his car and beat up everybody. Comics are keeping Michael Douglas inside the car on the 405. With bad glasses. (laughs) The worst. (laughs) Good for you. Oh, my God. You never try to – never put humor with a comedian. You know, I broke a rule with that, you know. I just broke a rule, but you laughed. I did. It was Jimmy, I don't want to do this, but uh, Congressman Russell Fry Mm -hmm. is your next guest. He is. And this hurts my heart to say this because I want to talk to you all day. But if I don't say it's time to go to break, uh, I won't be doing my job as your filling guy. (laughs) I love it. This is my Rodney Dangerfield moment. I got no respect. I got bumped on my own show. What can I tell you? You're the best. Jimmy, thank you for the honor of filling in for you today. My man, I'll see you, ta- I'll see you talkers. Let's I can't go. wait. My man. And uh, Jimmy will be appearing at Talkers. He does a set that has absolutely become a, a tradition now. It is so great. Uh, and I can't wait. Can't wait to see you there, my friend. My You're God. doing amazing things. <laughs> we'll be right back. You know who's coming up next. We just shared it. This is. Well, you, t- you take us to, to break, Jimmy. It's your show. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy, I loved uh, just interviewing you. I'm with Mike and Josh. I'm Harry Hurley filling in for Jimmy for today. We've got six minutes. Let's make it count. With United States Congressman Russell Fry, the distinguished gentleman from South Carolina's 7th Congressional District, talk about the most relevant committees going. It's really, of all time, it is, but also in this especially challenging era, House Judiciary Committee, House Oversight and Reform Committee member. So we're going to talk Afghanistan. We're going to talk about these additional Biden family members. Now they've got a full starting baseball lineup, nine players. they got a full team. Every position is covered. Uh, so they need relief pitching, so I'm sure we'll be adding more. But Congressman Fry, welcome to Jimmy's program. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's always good to be on the show, and and thank you for what y'all doing, getting the message out there. I mean, it's so it's so critically important to 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 get that to make sure that people understand what is going on in Washington and in their communities. So thank you. Well, thank you, sir. Could not agree more, Congressman Fry. Afghanistan, in your estimation, at the end of the investigations and all the evidence that is is you know that you're that you're culling and you know putting together will there be accountability people died uh, our commander in chief appears not to have followed the advice of generals appears to have lied to the american people that he did i think a child would know you don't move the military out first and try to get the people out last and then leave billions of dollars worth of equipment that they have and can even reverse engineer i mean some really just unforgivable mistakes. As you know, we still have Americans that aren't out of there, that want to get out of there. This is disgraceful, isn't it? No, I think you're exactly right. I mean, you look at Afghanistan, and that is one of the the biggest blunders of this administration, and there are lots of them. Uh, You have people that were clinging on to to the airplanes as they were leaving the tarmac. You have billions of dollars in in equipment that was left behind for our enemies, Uh, and you have members of our military that passed away. And and to me, you know, accountability needs to happen. I think we're trying to shed light on that so that this administration does something. Uh, But gosh, I mean, somebody's head needs to roll for this because, look, I mean, it is a a failure from top to bottom. And this administration was right in the middle of it. Didn't Afghanistan also, I think, I mean, we can't prove it, I guess, 
beyond you know 100 percent, but it sure seems like the colossal failure in Afghanistan emboldened Putin when he sensed weakness of our commander in chief to go and invade Ukraine. No, I, look, I, we've talked about this a lot. I know I've said it a lot, but this is what happens on the world stage when you trade a general patent for a Gomer pile. And, yes. and we've see, we see that now. Uh, we need to project strength. That's how we deter. That's how we make sure that things stay as they are and that you don't allow the slow incursion of totalitarianism across the globe. Uh, but we've not seen that from this administration. They haven't projected that strength. You look at any press event that Biden actually shows up for, any public appearance, uh, and you almost feel sad for him in a way that, that his family has allowed him to continue to serve in this capacity uh, because you see really a diminished person. Uh, so we need to get back to projecting that strength. And, and unfortunately, I think we've got – well, fortunately, we've got two years – uh, in which to do that, uh, to, to get somebody else in the White House. But in the meantime, we're going to try to identify the problems uh, that exist because of this administration from Afghanistan to the border to everything else, propose solutions. Hopefully those get passed into law, that there's some sane, forward-thinking Democrats that would actually vote for them. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, part of our objective is to hold this administration accountable through very rigorous oversight and we've been delivering on that. You have. And it's so important. I mean, for example, uh, six more Biden family members are now involved in your probe. That makes nine. Who knows? Maybe there's more as you continue to get more information uh, as it comes in. Uh, what can you say to Jimmy Fallon's listeners relative to where this stands? No, I think that's critically important. And you have, you know, for, for if you if we back up, we remember that Treasury objected to our uh, requests for information related right. to these suspicious activity reports. And we finally got a hold of those. Uh, I know some members have gone over to Treasury to look at them firsthand. I have not done that, but we're scheduled to do that soon. Uh, but what you're seeing, I mean, it's alarming to me. And the, and the smoke there, everyone sees the smoke. Everyone sees the smoke, and where there's smoke, there's going to be fire. What is going on when a Chinese energy company drops $3 million to a well-known Biden family associate who then turns around and wires through a series of transactions that to members of the Biden family? Exactly. I mean, we talk about influence peddling and collusion. What's going on here? I think people have questions about that. We continue to have questions about that. About the time that we uncover more information like we've just done, uh, there are still questions. And, and this administration, of course, has not been helpful in producing that for the American people. So we're going to get to the bottom of it. Congressman Fry, we packed in we packed in as much as we could in the time we had for today's interview. We look forward to visiting with you again. And uh, thanks for your service. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Great to be with you. It's Congressman Russell Fry from South Carolina's 7th Congressional District. Uh, much more straight ahead. Coming up a little bit later in the program, uh, Gordon Chang will be back. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are back. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Harry Hurley pinch hitting today. And if you were with us, I hope you were. If not, check the podcast out uh, because it was a lot of fun interviewing Jimmy on his own show and performing uh, in New Jersey this Friday and Saturday. So check all that out uh, at Bananas Comedy Club in Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, And a lot of good information about that on their website, Bananas Comedy Club. 
We're going to go to your phone calls uh, on the Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon program. I know it's about uh, artificial intelligence. Can't wait to talk to Alex in Brooklyn because I am also very intrigued and I'm very concerned about AI being misused. Alex in Brooklyn, welcome to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, thanks so much for taking the call. I'm just blown away by this artificial intelligence. I'm freaked out about it. The past few days, and especially since the Elon Musk interview with Tucker Carlson, I've been thinking about it nonstop. And there are so many negative things that can come to be because of this AI thing. But I think there's there's very few uh, positive stuff. And one of them is you have this scam that I heard people talking about where, say you want to get your friend's social security number. Right. What you need to do then is you take a recording of your friend, you put it into AI, and you tell AI to call this person's mother as if it's that friend of yours and her son, and AI calls and says, hey, mom, I need my social security number, and she gives it over. So that's and, a and Alex, case. you're not making any of this up because you also know, and the Fox News mm-hmm. Channel did a very good job covering this. It's very important. They got yeah. – and all they need is a couple of words, and then they can just create right. your voice. So yeah, the, 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 the daughter – well, I just want to fill in one thing real quick because even more than just get you – know, it's one thing. I had my identity stolen. It's terrible. You, you can't believe how many years it takes uh, to, to, to recover from it. It's, it's horrible mm-hmm. what they can do. But how about if yep. you're a mom and you get a phone call and it's your daughter's voice and she tells you, Alex, I've been kidnapped and they need this amount in ransom and by this time or else. A mom and the daughter were on the Fox News channel. They actually had to live through that. No, that's that's a terrible situation. Yes. But But I think that one of the things this kind of thing is going to cause, people aren't going to trust when their child calls up. Or when someone that you have in private information of theirs calls you up and says, hey, can you give me this information? You're going to say, you got to come home and meet yeah. me in person face-to-face so that I know it's actually you. So I think well, let me, get, let me give a you a suggestion. Alex, yep. let me give you a suggestion. Because when my children were very young, we actually did this when they were in school. Because even then, children were getting snatched and bad things were happening. Hey, your mom and dad wanted me to give you a ride. Get in. And they were very yep. young. We had a safe word. So what you can do with everyone that's important in your life, even if you hear their voice, you just say, what's our safe word? And if they can't give you the safe word and they're not going to know the safe word, that's not going to be on the Internet. Mm. They're not. Chat GPT isn't going to be able to find it. You've got to have a safe word. We can defeat it. We just have to be very, very creative and smart about it. Yeah, I haven't thought of that, but I do think it's going to cause people over all not to trust, uh, you know, when someone calls them. But when it comes to relationships with people, I don't think you're going to have a code with every friend of yours. So not with every friend. It's true. You think it's a friend of yours and you start talking to that person for three hours and then you realize that it's somebody that you really don't like that's using AI to pretend that they're your friend. So the only positive outcome or one of the only positive outcomes of AI is that people are going to start meeting in person. Even when they're talking to a friend, you're going to meet with them. You're not going to do it over the phone or uh, via Zoom, which is you know, something that I think is, has a negative effect on our culture because people are living in some sort of fake world and not really meeting face-to-face. That's and true. I, I think you're, that you're has right, a negative right. effect. And, Alex, so think about this. Are, yeah. I mean, in days gone by, people – these scammers want a 1% hit rate. 
They want to call you and tell you, give me your right. Social Security number. We've got a great thing that's going to be wonderful for you. And the next thing you know, they've done a line of credit on your house or they've done some credit card loan mm-hmm. app or whatever. And they're stealing or they have you wire transfer this amount of money or give me your credit card and we'll run it through. So people fell for that when it was just some strange voice. When you hear your child and your child is saying something desperate, you just want to default and believe that. Right. So we've got to get the message out. We have to inform people of the dangers of AI and how serious it is. But I think there's also another aspect of, uh, and that's, this is a negative thing. We have socialism in this country. We have a lot of people that believe in socialism. You got to have everybody equal when it comes to their financial status. I think one of the things that AI is going to end up being, it's going to be the best and most influential teacher in in the world because it has so much data from all the teachers that have quite frankly ever existed and educators. And it's going to learn how to teach people at the highest level ever, and people are going to start using it for elementary, college, and and for— But but Alex, Alex, don't forget what what Elon Musk taught America in his two-part interview with my friend Tucker Carlson on the Fox News channel. He said AI will be manipulated. It will write well. It will be done in a convincing way. It will manipulate public opinion. So for every good thing, there is a horrifically bad thing. No, I, I think this is a bad thing because, as I mentioned, we have socialists. And I, what if the the people that own this AI company believe in socialism? But not only when it comes to the financial abilities of people, uh, when it comes to people's intelligence, if they want everybody to be equally educated. So now what AI is going to end up doing, you're going to start taking a course through AI, and it's going to learn because you interact with it how smart you are. And say your your IQ is higher than average or your understanding is higher than average, it's going to start teaching you at a lower level to equalize everybody's ability to get educated at the same level. And I think that's a wrong thing, but I, 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 don't, know, I don't know if I'm making that much sense, but I've no, thought it, about it, this. It thing. is. Yeah. Hey, listen, we've yep. got to run for now. Alex, I sure. appreciate the call. You should follow up with Jimmy and with Mike and Josh about this because I'm in your camp. I am totally of the belief that at best this is a two-edged sword and that, unfortunately, you know who will get away with programming the artificial intelligence it will be all the socialist Democrat uh, elites, uh, the educational types that are already indoctrinating our children at all grade levels. You know, they used to wait until college, then they started high school. Now it's, I mean, it's kindergarten, first grade. It's, it's out of control what's happening. So thank you so much, Alex. You were smart and a very, very important topic. And, and I will not forget what Elon Musk said about this. So to counter chat GPT, which is still sort of a beta version, but 4.0 is coming, and 4.5 right after it, and it's going to be over the top what it's going to be able to do. Elon Musk said to counter chat GPT, he wants to launch truth GPT. And I I agree wholeheartedly it is necessary. It is required. When we come back from break, we are going to be joined – When you're going to talk about China, if not the preeminent guest in the entire country, he's on the Mount Rushmore. If he's not one, he's not four. I can tell you that. On the Mount Rushmore of guests to talk about China, China and Russia and their new partnership, which we always tried to avoid, Nixon and Kissinger tried to avoid it. And, of course, Biden, with his inept weakness and incoherence, they all all the Batman villains sense weakness and we see what's happening 
and it's not pretty. It's not good. Gordon Chang, who's a Gatestone Institute senior fellow and author of The Coming Collapse of China. I wonder if there's a, a, a sort of a recalculation of that because it was going in that direction. But we now have our friends even. Look what Macron said about America. What's that about? So we have a lot to unpack. Gordon Chang joins Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon next. The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I like that, Josh. I like that. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Harry Hurley with Mike and with Josh filling in for Jimmy, who we did a visit with earlier. Terrific. And joining us now on the Fox Across America hotline uh, with Jimmy Fallon is Gordon Chang, Gatestone Institute senior fellow and author of The Coming Collapse of China. His handle on Twitter is at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, it is always a pleasure to uh, present you. Welcome to Fox Cross America with Jimmy Fallon. No, oh, thank you so much, Harry. Well, I want to start right up front because I know we've got about six minutes. We're going to make it count here, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about these important topics. What do you make of uh, French President Macron cozying up to Xi Jinping, basically trashing America? What, what are we to make of that? That's a repudiation of Biden. Um, And remember, when Biden was running for president, he was saying that he was going to repair America's alliances with Europe. Yes. Well, things are worse than they were under his predecessor. So that's a failure. But the, the other good part of the story is that when Macron returned to Europe, he faced universal condemnation for what he was saying. So right now, um, at least what he said was triggering opposition to China. And, of course, that's a good thing. That is good. That, but fortunately, his, his country brought him back home because he strayed. He, he, what he was doing, he, he was taking on America, saying that, you know, the world shouldn't follow America. I mean, I was just aghast. I know he's having domestic problems at home. He wants to increase the uh, retirement age by two years, and the, the country's flipping out on him. But I thought that was a very – I know that France was great at the time of the formation of our country, but, boy, that was one of the worst things that a French president has ever done. And it's really a critical tipping point. What do you, what do you also make of this – China and Russia alliance that Biden has also, his fecklessness, incoherence, has brought together, as you know, Nixon and Kissinger, they said you can't have China and Russia align like this. We've got to, we've got to get in between that. So they, they befriended China. Uh, what do you make of what's going on relative to that? Yeah, um, these, are, these are two hardline states getting together. Um, they don't respect the U.S., when Xi Jinping um, was bidding farewell to Vladimir Putin on the 22nd of last month, that was in Moscow, um, the Chinese leader said to his Russian counterpart, quote, change is coming that hasn't happened in 100 years, and you and I are driving this change together. And really what they're saying is that Xi Jinping is now the boss of the world, in his own view, and that the United States is no longer a factor. Now, I'm not saying Xi Jinping's assessment is correct. It's not. 
but it doesn't matter whether his assessment is incorrect. What's important is what he thinks, because that's what's going to drive his behavior. And right now, he's extremely aggressive and yes. belligerent. And that's in part because of Biden's catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan and other disasters that Biden has caused. If you were writing a sequel to your, I mean, it should be a primer. I've mentioned behind your back that you're on the Mount Rushmore of experts. If you're going to talk about China, it's Gordon Chang. And when I know there's room for four on Mount Rushmore. You're not number four, but you are on my Mount Rushmore. If you were writing the sequel to The Coming Collapse of China, would you have to revise and extend the theory because Biden is blowing it and China is benefiting yeah, um, I was wrong in terms of timing on when I wrote The Coming Collapse of China. Um, China's got some really serious internal problems right now, which I think is making Xi Jinping even more dangerous. And the reason is he doesn't have any answers to his domestic problems. So his answer to his domestic problems is to go to war or humiliate the United States or achieve some foreign policy triumph. And so China has never been more dangerous than it is at yeah, this moment. Couldn't agree more. And um, we, we know that Xi Jinping doesn't think very much of Biden. So that's that doesn't help matters. Gordon Chang on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Two minute drill and we have a hard break, Gordon. You know that you do a lot of hits. The push to move as many countries away from the dollar as they possibly can achieve. You see, Biden thought, oh, yeah, well, we'll just mess mess Russia up, you know, with their currency. They're doing just fine. People are buying their oil. Even allies of ours are buying their oil. We're at the mercy of, of OPEC plus and Saudi Arabia is putting the screws to Biden there as well. So we see that all going in the wrong direction now. Now, even India, friends of ours and others, they're going away from the dollar. How big a deal is this, Gordon? Well, it, it shows what the world thinks of Biden. Now, I think that China will not be able to replace the dollar because the Chinese currency is not convertible and for a number of other structural reasons. But the point is um, China is trying to make progress because they believe that Biden won't oppose them. So here again, this is the result of the feebleness of American policy under the current administration. Do you see how nations that wouldn't normally do – like I don't think – Macron would say what he said if we didn't have basically an absentee president. I mean, this past Monday, they, they, they put a lid on, on the White House at 930 in the morning. I mean, this is crazy. 200 days without a press conference, 163 days without doing an interview with a, a, a member of the American media. I mean, it's de facto resignation that we have a president that can't do the job and the bad guys are watching, Gordon. You're absolutely right about that. Um, I mean, we have a president who doesn't have the ability to do it. And even apart from that, um, as Robert Gates, the former defense secretary, wrote, you know, Biden has not been right on a major foreign policy or national security matter for four decades. And, yeah, that's so he's feeble and he's misguided at the same time. And Gordon, I'm really happy because this is talk radio. It's a theater of the mind. All things are possible. We earn two additional minutes. We're going to make it count. Relative to Ukraine, Russia, was this just bodacious of Putin to actually go into Ukraine? I mean, he attacked them uh, for no good reason. Uh, he's visiting Ukraine like he's a welcome guest. What do we make of that? Yeah, well, it, it led directly from the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan 
And then, you know, Biden being, you know, leading a country so much more powerful than Russia, nonetheless talks about, well, maybe a minor incursion is okay. And that just signaled to Putin that he could do what he wants. So he's now, Putin's taking down the world and Biden's just sort of watching it. I just have this feel that we seem to be providing, because we're doing the heavy lifting as always, America always does. We seem to be providing Zelensky and Ukraine with enough to not lose, but not enough to win. Is that the game? Yes, that's right. Biden is trying to manage the situation because he's afraid of Putin. And yeah, he's not looking for victory. And that's the problem because that's bleeding the United States. It's wrecking the alliances that we have in Europe. And it's leading to perhaps a Russian victory, which seems inconceivable, but the Russians don't think so. And Biden is not disabusing them of that. Gordon, final minute, and it really is a heartbreak in 60 seconds. China, Taiwan, with respect to the Teixeira leak of all these documents, how much of a problem do you think that's going to cause? Um, I think that we knew that Taiwan was not prepared, especially its air defenses. Um, now, Teixeira should go to jail for the rest of his life, but I'm, I'm glad that we know some of those things because it shows that the Pentagon knows, but the Pentagon's not doing enough. This is a really bad situation. There's no sense of urgency at the top reaches of the military. Gordon, I so respect your work. Uh, great to visit with you and look forward to next time. Thank you so much, Harry. I really you, appreciate it. Appreciate you. We're going to come back strong with Congressman Pat Fallon, who represents the 4th Congressional District of Texas. He is a member of the House Armed Services Committee and also of the House Oversight and Reform Committee. So you know, you know, you're smart. You're Jimmy's listeners. You know some of the things we're going to be talking about, and we will do that coming up next. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Harry Hurley filling in for Jimmy today with Mike and with Josh. So you know I'm in really, really good company. And it is a privilege on the Jimmy Fallon Fox Across America Newsmaker Hotline is the distinguished gentleman from the 4th Congressional District in the great state of Texas, Congressman Pat Fallon. And Congressman Fallon is a member of the House Armed Services Committee the House Oversight and Reform Committee, so you know two of the most important committees uh, really in the history of the Congress, and certainly at this time with so much going on with our feckless policy, our administration. I don't even think think that's an upgrade to say it's feckless. There is none. I mean, there was no plan in Afghanistan. Who takes the military out first and then says, hey, the people, you get to come out last, and oh, by the way, we'll leave billions of dollars of, you know, really um, important stuff for the the Taliban to... uh, to sell and and uh, share with their their fellow terrorists and reverse engineer and all this um, bad stuff that can happen and armed with because the the loyal opposition now they just make everything political. It used to be congressmen people would come together at certain times when it was this serious, but now the Democrats they they just trash everything. They, they call the people telling the truth a liar when they're the liars. But this Afghanistan. Special IG report really gives your committee the opportunity to say, hey, look, this is this isn't political with us. Here's a dispassionate review of how disastrous this was. Congressman Fallon, your opening comment. 
Well, Jimmy, you're absolutely. Or, I'm sorry, Jimmy. Harry. That's okay. Harry, you're great. Now that's a compliment. Uh, um, you know, that's exactly what the, how the IG began the hearing. Quite frankly, is to say that they have never seen in the I think the dozen or so years that this particular IG has been on the job, an administration that has been so unforthcoming and and stalling with information, and they weren't participating and, with the review. So if you have if you're proud of what you've done and you've done nothing wrong, why in the world wouldn't you fully participate? You'd welcome an IG report because it would exonerate you, but that's not what it did. In fact, it did the very opposite. Exactly. And I thought it was just as low-rent garbage as it gets when President Biden blamed his predecessor, President Trump. I mean, this, this was his call. President Trump never would have taken the military out first, the people out last. It never would have happened. You know that. I know that. And the generals told President Biden, and I'll tell you where Biden really owes the American people. He once told the truth. He said, I take responsibility for it. But then they flip their script, as they always do, and they just have someone to blame. So they just blame Trump because he's, the, you know, Mr. Snowman. You just blame him, and then it's just you wash your hands of it because you, you have Trump to blame, like Obama blamed Bush. Biden blames Trump for everything. But this was a Biden operation, this terrible order of events that even a child my grandson said, actually, isn't that a mistake? Wouldn't you wouldn't you like get the people out first and the military would come home last? Right. I said, yeah, that's right. The children, sure. Congressman, know that that this order was was completely just ridiculous and broken. And he lied to the American people, our commander in chief, and said he followed the advice of his generals. But as you know, you you uncovered this, your committee the generals, when they're testifying under oath, that's not the recommendation they gave the president, was it? No, it's exactly not. In fact, when we had a hearing on this in the Armed Services Committee in 2021, about a month after the withdrawal, the debacle was complete, I asked specifically to the to General Milley and the CENTCOM commander and Secretary of Defense Austin, what was the advice that they gave the president? Because the military was telling the president, through our sources, we knew, that do not go below 2,500. Don't go below that. Because if you do, we won't be able to hold Bagram Air Base and Kabul. And what did he do? He listened to the State Department. He went down to 650 troops. Once you did that, we had to abandon Bagram to secure the embassy and the airport in Kabul. When you did that, 5,000 bad guys broke out of prison, one of which was a suicide bomber that killed 13 Americans. That's right. So this is what, this is what happens, Harry, when amateurs do not listen to the experts. Correct. I mean, that, that, that's right. The, the right plan was before them. They did some who knows what it was, woke, broke, joke, alternative universe plan. And I agree with you. I believe we could make the case that if they would have done it correctly, 13 American service members would not have died. See, if you agree with me on this, we should have kept Bagram Air Force Base. Just the value of that landing strip in that part of the world, that is a tremendous disadvantage to us now, isn't it? We have these. We have to have over the over the horizon capabilities, which means we can't really get eyes on things. It takes, uh, you know, I don't want to say specifically, but hours and hours yeah. to, to get over the horizon to Afghanistan. So some of the mistakes that they made were also, Harry, that when you were, are going to have a final withdrawal and you want to give the embryonic Afghan government a chance to succeed, you withdraw in the winter because that's not the fighting season. The fighting season occurs from about April to October. So that would have given him the best chance. But instead, he drew an arbitrary red line 
and said, we're going to leave before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Well, who cares about symbolism when you That's talk right. about realities on the ground and lives at stake? That is right. We should have pulled out in the winter, not in not really in August, which is the middle of the fighting season, which is another critical error that Joe Biden made. United States Congressman Pat Fallon from the 4th Congressional District in Texas and a member of the very committee that's looking at all this right now, the House Oversight and Reform Committee, and also a member of the House Armed Services Committee. In terms of what's left because of this, I mean, I never believed the Taliban for one second when they said women were going to be part of their cabinet, of their government. Not only are women not a part of their government, they can't go to school, they can't drive a car, they can't go out without a male uh, immediate relative. Uh, terrible things are going on that I don't even want to speak. We have Americans who can't get out. What a human catastrophe this is. And the special IG used those words in their report, human catastrophe. They did indeed. And I talked to John Ratcliffe, who was the former director of national intelligence for President Trump. And he was my predecessor in Congress. And what he kept reiterating to me was, Pat, I was in the room where it all happened when President Trump signed the agreement. And he did a few things. He said it was conditions-based. Yeah. And the Taliban largely followed the conditions. They always test us. I talked to Secretary Pompeo about this as well. They would test us, and then we would hit them back hard, and they would say, oh, sorry, we'll be good. President Trump also told the Taliban leaders, showed them pictures on a Skype of their homes. Yep. And said, no, I'm going to come and kill you, like specifically you and your buddy. So you better not. And we had, we lost no American service members to the Taliban after the agreement was signed with President Trump. So it was conditions-based, and we needed to eventually get out. But you're right. Also, my personal opinion was you hold Bagram because yes. it, was, it, was it was too expensive, and it's too valuable from yep. a strategic standpoint. What, what does accountability mean at this point? Obviously, the 13 service members are gone. We can't bring them back. Uh, it's been terrible what's been done. Their families have to watch. Uh, as these terrible things from the president get said and just trying to obfuscate and blame other people. It's disgraceful. What does accountability mean to you? Well, accountability to me uh, means really to the American people at this point, because the reason why, in my humble opinion, the Biden administration dragged their feet and wouldn't cooperate with the IG, so the report would come out after November and after the midterms, because they didn't want to take that additional hit. And now that it's come out, uh, they're, I mean, they've succeeded in that regard. But now they're going to have to face a piper come November 24. And they just hope the American people forget. And it's our job to remember. I mean, these are seared into our memory. I remember as a very, very small child growing up and seeing pictures of what had happened in Saigon. You know, the withdrawal and the humiliation of pushing Hueys off carriers. And that very image of that last copter uh, leaving the embassy. Well, we also have the seared in our mind those Afghans clinging to C-17s and falling off to their death because they were so desperate to get out. Because that's what happens when you, again, have folks that don't know what they're doing and don't do it in an orderly fashion. You're listening to United States Congressman Pat Fallon on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela, And we've got good. We've got a good five minutes uh, to, to cover some other important topics. How concerned are you, Congressman Fallon, about the um, – our enemies emboldened because of the weakness shown by our president. We, we really don't have feckless foreign policy. We have none. They, they, they seem to just let things happen. Then when it's bad, they just blame Trump. I think they even blame Trump for the derailment in uh, East Palestine. They blame Trump. I mean, it, it, Buttigieg, this, this horrifically inept fake secretary of transportation that couldn't fill a pothole in South Bend, Indiana. That's why they called him Pothole Pete. I mean, they blame anybody 
for everything. But how concerned are you about all of our adversaries that are very emboldened by all of this? Oh, no, Harry, very. And so I'll give you, beyond honesty, I'll talk about candor. I spoke directly with President Trump about, let's say, uh, not only Afghanistan, but Ukraine. And I asked him, I said, Mr. President, I noticed something, that Vladimir Putin took two provinces from Georgia in 2008 under George W. Bush. And then he took all of Crimea under Obama and, of course, a full-scale invasion of Ukraine under Biden. But he didn't do anything when you were president. What do you think that is? And his response to me was, very candidly, he said, I told Vladimir he could not invent Ukraine and it would be severe consequences. And he, he said, I even joked, he said, I would just, lop off the, the dome, the Iron Dome in Moscow, and I have to come for you, Vlad, and I don't want to do that. I just, and he said, I, think, I thought he believed me like 5%. That's what the president said. But he also said, if he had invaded under his watch, he would have made, unleashed the American energy sector and produced untold, uh, you know, uh, untold natural gas and oil to depress the price globally so Putin couldn't even fund his war. Yeah. Now, that's real politics. That's yes. the way to handle things. So when we had that disastrous withdrawal, it emboldened Putin, and now the Chinese in Beijing are looking their lips. And look, and here we are, Congressman. Two years, three months ago, we were energy independent, a net oil exporter. Now we're begging OPEC Plus, begging Saudi Arabia that are sticking it to us on purpose. The gallon uh, price of a gallon of gasoline is skyrocketing literally as we speak. It's a disaster. Uh, he took away, Biden took away on day one our pipeline. He gave Putin a pipeline on day one. I mean, everything you don't want to do, they seem to do. We have literally 27 straight quarters where inflation is outpacing wages. It's, it's a, just a disaster at every front. No, there, there's absolutely no doubt about it. And where would we rather, if you're an environmentalist, you should want American energy to be produced because we have an expertise. We have strong regulations. We have a powerful environmental lobby. We have an independent yeah. judiciary. We are a rule of law nation. Venezuela yeah. is not. Iran is not. Saudi Arabia is not. It's safer for our planet for us to be producing yes. it instead of relying on these petty dictators. You couldn't be more correct, Congressman. We did it clean. They do it dirty. So we stop doing clean and we buy dirty. And that, again, <laughs> is is insanity by definition. Yes. And you know what? What the left never wants to talk about is the fact that over the last 20 years, our um, um, the United States has reduced our carbon footprint by over 20 percent. The, the grid, if you see it, it's going down. China in that same period of time, Harry, has increased their carbon footprint by 300 percent. So, yes. again, if you're an environmentalist, you should be picketing the Chinese embassy. Right. And they don't adhere. We make these dopey deals, these stupid deals. We we honor them because we're honorable. They don't honor them. So we get the the worst end of both sides of the deal. And it's just, you know, rinse and repeat. They just keep doing it again and again. All right. I know you know you hear and you see because of your position things that we're not allowed to know about. But aside from classified, which I couldn't get out of you if I tried, and I, I have too much respect to even insult you and try what are things that keep you awake at night that you are allowed to talk about? Well, just in a general sense, you know, um, the, the, in the increased aggression of the Chinese Communist Party. There's no doubt that they're yeah. bent on world hegemony, and their strategy is a malaise. They want Americans to continue to divide amongst themselves and not love the country. And they also have something that's interesting very few people talk about. I learned it in a non-classified setting, that they have something called the Friends of China, the, Com the Communists of Beijing. And this is a list of people across the globe 
that are truly friends of China that do their bidding, whether it's knowingly or unwittingly. And these include CEOs of major companies, athletes, Hollywood, uh, you know, uh, celebrities. And that's another very key component to they're doing it with hard power. They're doing it with soft power. They're belt and road initiative. So that, that keeps me up at night. And North Korea is always a threat. But oh, yeah. China, number one, and North Korea, and then, of course, Putin. And, you know, even if we got rid of Putin, there's another uh, autocrat, you know, waiting to take his place. Final minute, Congressman. Uh, how concerned are you with China buying up all this farmland, doing all these things they're doing to try to go after the, the dollar and convince other countries to dump the dollar? We, we found out again, yet again, it's not the first time that the Chinese government has these uh, China police stations right here mm-hmm. in America. It's, it's just it's outrageous. I mean, all this is going on right under our noses. I'm very concerned, so much so that we've authored legislation to ban the Chinese nationals from purchasing property in the United States. Uh, I like and, that. And particularly, yeah, particularly along, you know, uh, sensitive military installations or key farmland. We're talking national security here. And by the way, American citizens can't buy any land in China. The Communist no. Party owns it all. So And we watched a spy satellite from Alaska go all through the continental United States doing figure eights around sensitive sites. We get lied to yet again. That well, we got we deactivated it. They didn't get anything. It turns out they got everything, uh, and this is what's going on. Yeah, you know, that balloon should have been shot down over the water in the Pacific, not the Atlantic. Exactly. And then, at the very least, over Montana, where you have an incredibly sparsely populated state, there was nobody would have been harmed. This whole excuse—they always come up with excuses, and when they don't work, they make up another excuse. We don't want to harm anybody in the ground. If you're going to shoot a balloon down, shoot it over. Montana, particularly not over one of their small six or seven cities, and you're only going to hit trees. That's you, number one. That didn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. And the communists saying it was a weather balloon, you can't. You know, one thing about we know about communists hearing, they're bullies and they lie. That's right, every time. And our government's lying to us, which is really sad, this administration and the press secretary, the whole gang. Uh, Congressman Fallon, uh, you and your colleagues, your work has never been more important. We're at a tipping point in American history. Honored to present you and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Eric. You are a great American, and God bless. Thank you, sir. You are, too. We'll be right back. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Josh, how's it going with the bumper music? I love it. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Harry Hurley filling in with Mike and with Josh, and we're going to close out the program, the team. And we're going to talk about this United flight with the wife of Toronto Blue Jays pitcher Anthony Bass, Sydney, who is pregnant and has two children on the plane. And the Toronto pitcher Anthony Bass uh, lashed out against United Airlines by saying that a flight attendant forced his pregnant wife to clean up the mess left by one of their toddler daughters. Mike, you get the first comment. Oh, thanks, Harry. Uh, and again, thank you for today. It was great having you uh Step in for Jimmy. We always appreciate it. Uh, I don't know. When I saw this story, I kind of just thought, not knowing the details, like, at first, just it came across as a little uh, over the top. Like, I felt like his reaction, maybe he could have handled it in a different way where maybe he could just, you know, DM the airline on Twitter and not made a big deal on social media about it. 
But, you know, it also speaks to maybe just having some accountability if your kids are making a mess, you know? Yeah, I don't think that's an unfair comment. She is pregnant, so I'm a little bit persuaded by that. But, of course. Yeah. But not a lot. Uh, Josh? You know, be honest, Mike. You think you could get away with this if you had a better ear, right? I mean, you know. <laughs> if you had a better ear. I did make that comment yesterday. That is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it, – it didn't look like a ton of popcorn, so I didn't know – how much of a hazard it really was, but at the same time, it's not a not a great look to put him on blast like that. Right. To exactly. Jimmy, to Jimmy Fela, to Mike, producer Mike, and my good friend Joshua. Thank you for the privilege of working with you guys. I've I've loved it. Till we meet again. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.